Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You can be sure with Marowest Credit Union. As a credit union, Marowest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. Marowest Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at marowest.com. And service? Marowest takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and Marowest's values just go together. Consider Marowest today. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. Hurts, eating, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, welcome to Eagles Unfiltered, the first and ever episode I'm recording with my co-host Ed Kras of Sports Illustrated, Eagle Maven. That's what the podcast is powered by now. I'm also a contributor for there, Connor Miles. I'm excited, Ed, because, you know, we finally, we were doing this podcast with Eagles Brawl for so long where you would come on and I, you and I would just do episodes and episodes, but it was never really benefiting the writing side of us of what we were doing with Eagle Maven. So to cut out the middleman, and bring this all together, our whole entire Eagles coverage brought to you in one place where you can find it on Eagle Maven. That's si.com slash NFL slash Eagles. You can find every single thing about the podcast. John McMullen, Ed's, and my articles are all on there as well. Everything Eagles coverage, we got you now. Podcast, videos, articles, every little thing, we got it now, Ed. I'm excited, man. I'm I'm a beyond excited, Connor. I think this is great. Big thank you to you for making this happen. Um, I'm excited for you know what the future holds with this, and have to admit it sounded a little uh, a little different when you when you signed in there saying with uh, Eagles Unfiltered. Uh, <laughs> I had to scratch my head for a second there, but uh, it's awesome, man. I, I'm so excited. I hope everybody enjoys what we do, and um, you know you like you know Connor and I are I'm accessible on Twitter. Um, I like to interact on Twitter, so, you know, feel free to reach out to me as long as you're not crazy over the top and, you know, are open-minded about our conversations on Twitter. I'm more than happy to re- uh, react to you and interact with you. So, you know, keep that in mind as we, we go forward here. Yep, absolutely. You can always reach us on Twitter and just, you know, we love talking. We love debating. That's why we want to do this podcast. And everything's staying the same, you know, as you guys already noticed, because uh, Ed dropped his first episode with Jim Moore, Jr., the former NFL and college football head coach and they talked about what they can do with the Eagles draft pick at 12. Oh, the also what I thought was interesting in that interview where I think you guys checked it out is you would never know this, but Jim Moore Jr. was close with Jalen Phillips, the Miami uh, defensive yeah. player in this draft who has some question marks and Jim Moore Jr. shut all those down. I thought that was interesting, Ed, you know, that should be, that's article worthy right there. He, yeah. a lot of people are questioning his on the field character and his off the field character. And Jim Moore Jr. hopped on your show and just quickly, debunked all of that so I, I thought that was a really good 
little tidbit that, you know, kind of went away because we're all focusing on who the Eagles can draft. But I mean, you know, Jalen Phillips is a guy who looked in the second round who maybe the Eagles decide if he's there, they mm-hmm. need to go edge because Derek Barnett's in the last year of his deal. We're not really sure about him. Josh Sweat still trying to prove himself and not sure he's a starter in BG's 33. Uh, I like that little tidbit in there. You know, we might need to go back to that if he does become a Philadelphia Eagle on draft night as well. But uh, and then, of course, Philly Sports Giovanni is always going to be on here. He's going to have a special guest on 424. I'm going to let him talk about that and give away that. That's not my surprise to give. And then uh, the Kelly Green show is going to continue doing her great stuff as well. She has Ben Finnell on this week. It was a great 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 talent evaluator does a lot of stuff for the eagles uh, with Philadelphia as well i'm excited it's gonna be a great time we're still on every podcast platform it is the eagles brawl feed it just turned into eagles unfiltered that's all that's what we're doing now so welcome to the show ed we got to start off with talking about this high roseman stuff because now uh a friend of our show rob mandala dropped that huge bomb uh I mean, it wasn't really a huge bomb. He really just tweeted it out, not thinking. I, he nonchalantly tweeted this out, and we all ran with it. And, you know, it, it, it does make sense. Uh, he tweeted out that, you know, Harry Roseman does have a unique relationship with Jeffrey Lurie. He acknowledged that. But he said this season, more than it ever has in Harry Roseman's career, the seat is hot. Ed, what did you think, man? Do you, did you believe that? Well, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, I think it, it should be hot. hot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not only in this draft, but last year's draft too, you know, you still have eight players left from a 10 player draft. I mean, let's see what they can do you coming up in 2021 and then see what this class can do. You know, I, uh, Howie hasn't had a one, two punch in the draft since 2013 when he took Lane Johnson fourth overall, and then came back uh 30 plus picks later and took Zach Ertz. I mean, that's what he needs here. You want to hear a funny story about that though? What? You're not going to like this story that I have because I knew you were going to bring that up. I, yeah. You've said this a couple of times. That's why I knew you were going to bring that up. So I did some research into that. Mm-hmm. You know how he didn't want Zach Ertz to that pick, correct? Are you aware of this? Who did he want? Not Darius Slay either. Jonathan Banks, Darius Slay's teammate, who ended up getting drafted by the Bucks, complete bust. Yeah. Was not, never became an NFL player. That's And that's information I've learned through the grapevines is that it's interesting. Zach Ertz was a Chip Kelly pick, not a high Roseman pick. Well, let's hope that Nick Sirianni carries some sway in that draft room on uh, you know the end of the month here because uh, they need somebody in those first two picks that's that it's going to come in and it's going to start or is going to play you know fifty to one hundred percent of the snaps. I mean, they need production from these first two picks. There's no doubt. You know, when you pick number twelve overall, and we'll talk about that. I'm who knows if they'll stay there. Uh, and then when you come around at number 37, and who knows if they'll stay there. But if they do, they got to hammer those two picks. They've got to come out with two bona fide starters uh, that can help this team. And if they don't, to get back to your question about Howie's uh, job security and this class from last year doesn't work, then, yeah, I could see him, uh, you know, getting put in a different position by Lurie because next year's draft will, again, be very pivotal to the rebuild when you look at Possibly having three first-round picks. At minimum, you're going to have t- two picks in the first round and two in the second. I think you know that Wentz pick will become a first, but you're still going to have four very premium picks in 2022. And if Howie doesn't show the ability to get it right this year, if last year's class doesn't step up and uh, you know you don't get some good PT or playing time from those guys, then yeah, I could see that report being true and Howie could be uh, on his way out. Uh, I'm not sure he'd leave the building. He might get reassigned somewhere. 
But yeah, I could see his GM duties being uh, relieved of him if that turns out to be the case. I was going to say, I love the wording of reassigned instead of fired. Because yeah. I, I agree with that completely. He's still will be in the building no matter what. He, yeah. Larry and him are as tight as I can be. But uh, really, when I look into this report, I think, you know, that makes sense from a standpoint of what you just said. You know, the Carson Wentz failure, they had to fire the Super Bowl winning head coach after only a couple of years winning the Super Bowl. When Jeffrey Lurie went into this offseason, he decided, I don't know if it was immediately, but he decided right off the bat, this wasn't Howie's fault. He blamed the coaching staff. He thought this was the coaching staff's fault, so he fired the coaching staff. If they come out next year, and you're you're right, this draft class looks flat. Jalen Hurts isn't even close to what the player they thought he was. Rager continues to disappoint. And then they draft this year, and that class doesn't bring that much of an impact in. I can see it. I can definitely see it, of course. But I'm not that. I'm not too positive, Ed, because I think those three first-round picks next year just bought Howie time. Because I don't know if you want to... I knew the situation was you're not going to fire Howie Roseman going into this offseason. You're not going to ask a first-year GM to deal with this cap situation right off the bat and try to try not to sink because it's a sinking situation no matter what. Uh, so I get keeping Howie this offseason. But when you're going into the next one, now you're looking at those three first-round picks. Are you going to trust a first-year GM with those three first-round picks? Potentially, because I do believe we'll be, that once one will become a first-round pick as well. I don't know if Jeffrey Leary will. I know fans would, would say absolutely anybody but Howie. And everybody would say anybody but Howie. But Jeffrey Leary won't. I don't think he would say that. I don't think he'd say anybody but Howie. I think he'd want to see, you know, the progression made. Uh, and that's what you're going to hope to see this year. Now, when you said earlier, let's hope this coaching staff has some influence on their picks. I think they will, Ed. You know, Jonathan Gannon has some scouting background. And I don't think this 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 front office has really prepared that. I mean, I don't know if they're really equipped to handle that, to say no to that, to say, Hey, your evaluation's wrong. Well, wait, this guy's done this before. And he's a coach now because of it. We're how, how he came out of law school. You know, th- these guys are not that well known in this front office right now because all these teams plucked other guys. Joe Douglas went to New York and Andrew Barry went to Cleveland. So I think when you hear, when you have that influence from John Gannon, who has a scouting background, he could tell them how to do their jobs. And, you know, they did let Jim Schwartz have some say in the personnel. And, I mean, I, I we always thought it was Jim Schwartz's say on everything and how you just ab- uh, obliged. Well, it could happen again because Jonathan Gannon has that scouting background where, you know, he'll tell them about a player. I'm not sure this this front office will say no. And we've already seen, you've seen it firsthand yourself with Nick Sirianni. They let him assemble this coaching staff. There was no putting the leash on Doug Peterson this time around. There was nothing to that. It was, you can come in here and you tell us. And he hired all these guys that we, all of us are, you know, going around trying to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. We didn't know them. We were we were picking, you know, you and I were picking Jim Caldwell. That was a Jeffrey Lurie type pick. No, that didn't happen. It was Shane Seichin that came in to be the offensive coordinator. Jeffrey Lurie's not going to pick him. That's a Nick Sirianni pick. Yeah. And then you look on the defensive side. They went out and got linebackers coach from Minnesota who has tenure with Jonathan Gannon, and it looks like they're trying to implement the Mike Zimmer influence on defense. Harry Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie don't know anything about that. They're going to have to sit back and let those coaches do that stuff. So when I look into this draft, I don't think they're going to draft the Philadelphia Eagles way that they're used to drafting. I think they're going to let these guys pick it. And, you know, their two top coaches, Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, guess where they specialize in the department, Ed? The, where the Eagles struggle the most, wide receiver and defensive back. Mm-hmm. So 
I would be shocked if the first pick is not a wide receiver or cornerback. I'll be honest with you because your head coach specializes in wide receiver and your defensive coordinator specializes in defensive backs. Give them that young guy who has no ties to your franchise history, your past, your old coaching staff. Don't give him anything of that. Give him a fresh new guy to work with. It comes into a situation that knows nothing about the Eagles and nothing about what happened to him last year, years past. Fresh, and then develop them and see what they can do. Because that's the best test you're going to get from Nick Sirianni and John DeGan to know by year three if this coaching staff should stay or not. Is if they can develop a Patrick Sertain, a J.C. Horn, a Jalen Waddle, a Devontae Smith. If they can develop one of those guys with one of those first picks and it becomes the player that they're, they're supposed to be. And not only that, it does the same for Rager in the background. Or or JJ or Sega Whiteside or Derek Barnett or something. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, if they yeah, have yeah. something in the background, this is gonna push Lurie and Howie out of the process a little bit more. They're gonna be able to gain more trust in their coaching staff to hey, these guys got this, they can handle this. Whereas they didn't think that with Doug Peterson and his staff. They never thought that once. That was never right. in their thought process once. They have to implement that in their process this time, or it's gonna fail again. Yeah, well, you mentioned Jeffrey Lurie and and how getting back to Howie's hot seat. I mean, listen, you know how we've learned that Jeffrey Lurie's playing a bigger and bigger role here. So, you know, how much of these picks have been Lurie's versus Howie's, and maybe that's why Howie's still here. And how many of these picks will Jeffrey sign off on this year and in twenty twenty two? I mean, that's all dependent too on you know Howie's job security, but. You know, whoever was making the call in 2017, I mean, to me, Howie's already been kind of served, you know, a warning shot here because of what the 2017 draft looked like. I mean, here we are four years later when you should have contributions from, you know, more than one player in the class, which is Derek Barnett, their first round pick. But after that, you know, Nate Jerry played a little bit, not real well, uh, at least in the Eagles eyes. The coaching staff loved Nate Gary, but now he's gone to San Francisco. I mean, they have nobody left from that 2017 class except Derek Barnett. Uh, and they drafted, I think it was eight players uh, in that draft. Uh, it just That to me is, is a complete failure. And that's why they're in this situation. When you say they need a wide receiver and a cornerback, and they do, and that's the strengths of the coaching staff, uh, whether that receiver comes at 12 or 37 or a trick into the first round, we'll see. But I think they do go receiver, corner, corner, receiver uh, in the draft. Now the curveball would be, you know, a defensive lineman because they're very, uh, you know, they're aged along that defensive line and they're all making a lot of money. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's why they're in this mess having to look at cornerback again. This, to me, is a two-cornerback draft for the Eagles. I'm, I'm quite sure of it. With 11 picks, if they keep those picks, they're going to get two two corners. They may even take three corners uh, like they did last year when they took three receivers. Um, and, and it's because of 2017 when they took Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas at pick 43 and 99 overall, second and third round, and these guys didn't make it. Even if you get – hit on one of those if Jones or Douglas came in and and played well and is still starting at that corner you're, you're not in this mess uh you can go and draft someone for your defensive line I mean that miss in 2017 complete miss on every position except Barnett uh but especially a cornerback is why they need cornerbacks now um so you're right I think they go corner receiver receiver corner but you can't forget a big man up front, too. And and Daniel Jeremiah said it himself. He doesn't think the Eagles leave day two without a big, which means probably some pass rusher or a defensive tackle. Uh, 
before day two is over and you head into that final day where the Eagles have, I think, seven uh, of their 11 picks are on day two. So you've got to hit something there. Um, you know, like they did with Jordan Mayalata in 2018, taking him in the seventh round and um, Matt Pryor to maybe a lesser degree in the sixth round. I mean, say what you want about Pryor. He's provided them some snaps, not all of them quality, uh, but he was a late round guy. They found Bo Allen, a defensive tackle uh, in the seventh round contributor on the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, I, I just think that Lurie is also a big component in this. When we talk about Howie and his hot seat, I mean, you have to factor in Jeffrey Lurie's role in this. And maybe that's why Howie's still here is because Lurie knows, you know, the role that he's played has impacted the job that Howie's been able to do. You and I said that a couple of times before in the past episodes. If you, if you firing Howie Roseman, firing Jeffrey Lurie practically because Howie Roseman is really the Jeffrey Lurie process. Right. That's the only reason why he's still here and why he has so much sway with this team and not fired yet is because you're right. I mean, they're, those two are together in this process of, player personnel and picking players and doing everything you have to do for this team and drafting as well. I mean, uh, if you fire Harry Roseman, you're pretty much canceling out the Jeffrey Larry process. So it, it is going to be tough. And that's yeah. the thing that you and I always, you know, came on episodes and said, who do we blame? Because the, none of nobody on this team took accountability well uh, or did it correctly. So, you know, Jeffrey Larry decided to blame the coaching staff. We'll see if he's right. We're going to find out this year if he was correct or not. But uh, I like that little thing he threw in there about, you know, maybe they go two corners because, uh, once upon a time, they did go Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown back-to-back, and yeah. they were set at corner when they did that. They, they, yeah. they weren't set, but they had starters at corner. They had Troy Vincent, Bobby Taylor, and Al Harris, and then they go in into it, and they lose those guys in free agency, and Lito Shepard comes in, Sheldon Brown comes in, they take over, and it, boom, perfect. Give the yeah. Eagles a, a solid cornerback tandem for years to come. And, and not only that, Connor, but they took a safety. They took Michael Lewis in that in that three-player mix. Third round or fifth round or something like that. Because Michael no, Lewis, he, he came, it was it was Lido, Sheldon, and then Michael Lewis. Those Michael three came in a row. Awesome. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and and you're and you know what? The Eagles need a safety too. Um, and, and maybe we can talk about that. Is you know they did sign a safety in free agency. They signed a linebacker. They signed the running back, and how those signings will impact. Uh, their decisions in the draft. But, yeah, you're right. Back in 02, I think it was, when they took Lido, Sheldon, and Lewis, they they were set in the secondary for years. You know, and those teams won, you know, multiple NFC East championships. So, um, yeah, I listen, could they do that again? I'd be surprised. But, you know, they do need those positions for sure because – Well, it's definitely a need because Darius Slays, yeah. I mean, that contract was really meant to be a two-year deal. So the way you look at it, especially with this cap going into next year, and you and I talked about it before, but they're going to have to make a decision on Darius Slay this offseason, whether it's get rid of him, let him go to a contender to to finally get into the playoffs and win a playoff game, yep, or or you know restructure again, which I I don't know if he's going to be willing to do two times in a row. They're going to have to bring in not just a corner to start right away because they need a cornerback too. They're going to need to bring in somebody else that to develop under the wings on the sidelines watching Darius Slay and be prepared to take over for Darius Slay in 2022 or 2023. Did, did you so, see they, they restructured Slay's contract, but did you see the salary cap charge next year and the year after? It's like 22 million in 2022 and 23 million in 2023. I mean, come on. Slay's yeah, not going to be no. on that corner in the coming years. They need to find some help. But kind of real quick, this 2002 draft, I'm looking at it now. 
uh, in this great draft guide that the Eagles used to produce. They haven't done it for a couple of years. I talked to the PR draft people. 2002 draft guide. Jeez, man. Well, it's, it's actually it's a draft guide with every draft the Eagles oh, have made. Oh, that is awesome. Since, they, since their inception, but they stopped putting these out in 2017. And I talked to the PR people. I'm like, this was one of the best things you guys did. I mean, my two cents is I think you should try to make another one of these because we love them. Um, and, and I know other uh, beat writers that love them. But the 2002 draft went Lido Shepard at 26. Michael Lewis was then the second pick. And then Sheldon Brown was the third pick. They came back to back. Lewis, 58th overall. Uh, Brown, the 59th. But you know who came in the fourth round that year or third round? Who? Brian Westbrook. Brian, that's draft. right. Yeah, Brian Westbrook. Duh, duh. What a great draft. That is a – haven't had any rejuvenation type drafts like that in a minute. No, and then and then it, this is also the draft, the last time that Howie or the Eagles took a player from Alabama. That was the, the last time they ever drafted a player from Alabama was in 2002 when they took Freddie Millens, wide receiver, in the fifth round. And, you know, Freddie obviously didn't work out. Yeah. But, you know, uh, and Alabama is a lot better than they were back in the early part of this century. But – Crazy, though. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. They break that streak this year, though. <laughs> they, they better break the streak this year. I'll tell yeah. you, they, I, I'm surprised it hasn't been broken. I mean, those, those people and those guys in Alabama, they just, they, you know, Nick Saban has put together a an amazing program, and they have so much talent year in and year out. And to not take anybody from that program, and at least in the last five years, is criminal. And that the they best, need to change that. The best punishment that Jeffrey Lurie could have delivered to Howie Roseman this offseason was forcing him to watch the last 10 years of SEC football. <laughs> force him to sit in a room, yeah. lock the door, watch the last 10 years of SEC football. That's yeah. it. That's how you want to fix Howie Roseman's evaluation process. That's the way to start it because I, I I don't know. I, I really, I truly think that streak gets broken though, Ed. I think, I, their, I, first, I think their first, I think their first pick is going to become a player from Alabama. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to spoil our final mocks, but I do think okay. that pick at, whether it's at 12 or a little bit earlier or a little, I don't think it's going to be later. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a player from Alabama. Well, listen, um, throw this out there. Howie Roseman will probably talk this week sometime. I know in past years they usually make him available. Last year they made him available eight days before the draft. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we're talking here on Sunday. Uh, Thursday is the week before the draft. So I would expect Howie to talk maybe Thursday or Wednesday this week. So we'll, we'll ask him these questions. We'll ask him about Alabama, um, you know, and we'll see. We'll, we'll get his gauge. I mean, it'd be interesting to see why he's never gone to uh, looked at Alabama to draft a player. Uh, it's been amazing. And we'll wow. ask you how much of a role will Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon play in that war room on draft night? I, let them play the whole entire role. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously everybody's going to have to, it's collective uh, effort, but I mean, come on. I would, I would just, Howie, shut up. Let them decide. They know what they're doing. Right. They've been with millions of other organizations that have worked and have failed. They know what they're doing. Let's let's, let's just see. I mean, you're going to hire these new guys. You might as well see what they can do. And then I'm, yep. my, my one question to Howie would be, Howie, did Jeffrey Lurie force you to tape your eyes open during Alabama's Pro Day? <laughs> <laughs> or LSU's for that matter, because those reports of them talking to Terrence Marshall a lot yeah. uh, seem to be true. So oh, Absolutely. You know, I think they like Terrence Marshall a lot. You know, but then you look at – you know, the Florida guys, you know, Kadarius Tony and, uh, you oh, know, yeah, well, Howie's got his whole plaque over there in Florida for his uh, law school. 
degree and everything. So, I mean, of course, it's in the state true to Florida guys, but mm-hmm. I yeah. let's get into pick 12 anyways now because I, I, well, just to end it real quick, I don't think how he gets fired next year. Okay. I don't, I don't, I didn't go. I, I think this team will win six to seven games and I still don't think he'll get fired because they're going to show some type of progress as long as they show some type of progress. And I know they showed progress in 2016 and then we hear all these stories about. Well, they wanted to get rid of Frank Reich, or they wanted to switch things up. I get it. I mean, I don't think they're going to. I, I don't know. I would hope you learn your lesson from acting that way and how it failed so quickly and not doing that this time around. But again, mm-hmm. this is Jeffrey and Howie were talking about. They're known for making mistakes. We'll see. But I don't think Howie gets fired. Okay, I, still think yeah. they, I think they showed enough progression from last year to this year to think. You know, let's try it again. Let's see. You know, 2017 happened once. Let's see what these guys can do in year two all together and not switch things off. I think that's going to happen again. Yeah, I, I I would be very surprised if how he got fired. But again, you know, you look at that 17 class, if this 2020 class doesn't pan out, and I guess you could say, well, it's a different coaching staff. We had different needs, different priorities. No, if it doesn't pan out, because you hired this coaching staff thinking that they can get something out of that class, out of this 2020 class. So now I don't. So if you see this 2020 class starting to wash out, this coming year, like if, you know, Davion Taylor, a third round pick doesn't take that step or Sean Bradley or, you know, but I, I think we saw good things from Kayvon Wallace and Jack Driscoll that, you, you know, you're encouraged that, yeah, they can play a hand in this, uh, you know, in, in this coming season. And of course, Hertz and Rager. So, you know, this class, I don't think is going to wash out and that could save Howie's job. But that 2017 class, holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, to, to get a redo after that is, is you know, remarkable. Yeah. Top 15 pick that year, too. Yeah, right. Not, not, not good. Not good. Anyways, yeah. I I look at uh, this pick twelve and I think there's no way the Eagles pick here. There's just no way. And you know, I I looking all the and there's a recent report that just came out that the Eagles are looking at trading to the top ten, which I 100 percent believe. And I would 100 percent believe after High Rosen made that trade from six to twelve, he was already contemplating and looking around and gauging what it would take to get back into those picks. Now I look at like teams like the Detroit Lions, I look at like the Carolina Panthers, and I look at the Denver Broncos, all teams that need more than one position. Now, I don't know what the Broncos are gonna do because I know that I think if they can get a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, they're gonna do it. I think they're gonna do it. That's an upgrade over Drew Locke no matter what. And I think they know that. But Carolina now, with after that Sam Darnold trade, they're gonna need some picks, Ed. I don't know if they'll say I don't know if they're gonna be willing to stay at eight. I think they would trade down if the right offer came because you're talking about a team that's entrusting a because Sam Darnold is still extremely young. He's 23 years old. Like that's that's pretty much he, you could pretty much call him a rookie all over again. He's starting his NFL career, restarting it with Matt Rule all over again. They're still trying to establish a culture there in Carolina. They still have a lot of holes. That defense needs you know corners everywhere. I mean, they you think the Eagles need corners? Carolina needs at least three to four. Uh, their their linebacking unit could use some a big time help. I could see them moving down to twelve and still getting Michael Par- Michael Parsons and getting the draft picks that they need to keep building this team under Matt Rule, who signed that seven year deal. He has enough time to sit back and keep building this team. But now they just gave away a ton of picks for Sam Darnold. I would look for them to be moving down. I think the Eagles can get into that seven eight range. You know, Detroit's still trying to rebuild that team. Get it get that Matt Patricia stink off of them, rebound after trading away their franchise quarterback for years. Those are two teams I think they could trade down and would look to get more picks so that they can rebuild their teams. I could see the Eagles moving into seven or eight. 
It depends what it would cost. I mean, they're not going to give up that number one pick from the Dolphins. They got to move back to 12. Um, So, you know, it's going to take two to tango there. And I've seen lately now that the Panthers and Broncos have both expressed an interest of saying, yeah, we're we're still not out of the quarterback market here if you're Carolina bringing in Sam Darnold. And the Broncos, like you said, could use somebody to – possibly replace Drew Locke. So they're in the cornerback mar- or quarterback market, and they made that known. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if the Eagles can somehow figure out a way to, to trade with them um, without giving up, you know, too much of that draft capital for next year. Uh, they have 11 picks this year. It does give Howie some flexibility. I'm more of the mind of them trading back into the first round, to be honest with you. I think it would cost a little bit less uh, to do that. I think if they stay at 12, they get the player they – want and they may move back into the first round and, and maybe take the player that they want at cornerback or wide receiver whoever they didn't get uh with that first pick at number 12 so let's just theoretically say they stay at 12 and let's just say devon well, Devontae smith falls there because I, I i really have a hard time thinking jalen waddle last till 12 so let's just say Devontae smith's on the board and the eagles go Devontae smith and then they trade back into the first round and they get Greg Newsom. Would you like that scenario or would oh. you like the scenario of them going Patrick Sertain and Kadarius Tooney? Which which way would you prefer? I'd take either one, to be honest with you. Oh, I would take either one, too. I think I, the Eagles would, too, because they needed that badly. But, I mean, I, I love Sertain. I, I, yeah, I, I love Sertain. I think – and I love J.C. Horn, too. Um, they both oh, have that pedigree. They've grown up in NFL families. Their fathers both played – in the league, obviously, for a very long time. Um, Both great players. Four-year starter in the SEC. Um, terrific talent. Uh, you know, I would I would like Sertain. And then who I was coming back for Tony, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I, w- I would love Tony in the slot. I mean, I thought Jim Mora made a great point to me on, uh, on the recent podcast when he said that the Eagles need to find a player that can take a short pass and turn it into a long gain. And mm-hmm. Darius Tony fits that mold. Obviously, Jalen Waddle fits that mold. He led the country uh, in yards after catch, I think, two years ago when he played a full season. So both those guys can get the job done. So, you know, I'd be happy with either one of them, to be honest. Um, so I guess it comes down to the cornerback. I would I would take Sertain and um, and uh, Tony in that scenario over um, the other one you mentioned Um Smith and Newsom. I would. Smith, I would. I like Newsom though. I like Newsom a lot too. I like Newsom a lot too. I either way, you don't lose with that scenario. It, it's right. a huge win for the Eagles. But I would go the same scenario you did too. I would go Sertain and, and uh, Tooney because, uh, look, you know, do I? I I like Jonathan Gannon a lot. I think he's going to make the defensive back so much better. But please, for the love of God, give the Eagles the most proven cornerback prospect of this class. I think J.C. Horn has the higher ceiling, but Sertain is the most proven one of this class. Uh, I've been hearing, when I've asked a couple people, who would you compare Sertain to? And I agree with them completely. I didn't really expect them to have the same answers. They compare him to former Crimson Tide cornerback Marlon Humphrey, and I think that's perfect. And I'll tell you right now, Ed, back when Marlon Humphrey was coming out, I was completely wrong on him. I botched that evaluation completely, and I feel like I've learned from it by watching Patrick Sertain and saying, you know, this guy is legit. This guy can definitely be uh, your, not even just your press corner. He can play well in zone too as well. So I would like Sertain to be here with Darius Slay, already having the nuance of the game, having his dad play before great corner for the Dolphins and Chiefs. I would not mind going Sertain at 12. And then Tooney at, at, at uh, 
whether you move up to 37 or get him at 37, which I think is highly unlikely at this point. Perfect yeah. slot receiver. Look, Ed, I think the huge thing what Eagles fans are struggling with is you drafted the speed guy last year in Rager. Why would you go speed again? You In, in this era of football, no such thing as enough speed on offense. Right, you know, right. tell the Chiefs when they drafted McCole Hardman in the second round not to do that because they had Tyreek Hill. They'll laugh at you. They'll yeah. laugh in your face. That's not how you do that anymore. With, this, with the slot being the way it is and the Z receiver being asked to be the deep threat, you could do both, have speed at both spots. Sure. Sure. Yeah, huge mismatch advantages. And Waddle can play slot. Smith, Waddle, Tooney, they could play slot. You could also put them at Z. Yeah. Terrence Marshall as well, too. Terrence Marshall fared incredibly well on the outside at LSU last year. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at guys who I can think, you know, we always wanted Doug Peterson to rotate and move your guys around. Don't stick them in one receiver spot. He never would do it. Always cemented guys in spots, and that was it. I don't think it's going to happen next year, Yanni. I think that the best thing is that that helps Rager out, who has struggled against press coming into the NFL. He's not going to face that much in the slot. He's going to have some pivotal slot roles, slot snaps this year. Whether they go back and they get Bateman, they get Tooney, they get Marshall, they get Waddle, they get Smith, they get Chase. It doesn't matter because then you can have all these guys you can move rotate around. But if Ed, if you take Chase or Bateman, you need to draft another wide receiver in this draft because as much as I love Greg Ward, he's your He's your wide receiver four on this roster regardless. He's your security blanket. You got to get trust. Not really a starting caliber wide receiver, though. Good player. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they need to upgrade that position for sure. They need to upgrade That's that spot. He's offense. Because I think he's, you hit the nail on the head when you said everything about Yak. When you started off this conversation is that Sirianni loves the yards after catch. He wants to get the Yak in his system. Nothing but space. Greg Ward's not going to give that to you. Jalen Rager's your only starting wide receiver that's going to give that to you. They can't go into the season like that. They need to bring in another guy that can create space and work well in space. And I, you can either do so at pick 12 or you can do so moving up from 37. It's perfect situation for the Eagles right now. Well, here, here's, here's going back to that scenario. I mean, here, here's the problem. And this is the one thing I didn't like about the trade back to 12 is that now you're behind the Cowboys and the Giants at picks 10 and 11. You know, your NFC East rivals who could sting you and take Sertain at 12 or I'm sorry, 10, the Cowboys, and then 11, the Giants could take Waddle. Um, so now you're looking at, you know, Smith um, or J- I guess J.C. Horn, who I know they do like J.C. Horn, um, or even a defensive player like we mentioned, you know, kind of that curveball for somebody up front. Is there anybody that they would be willing to evaluate and say, yeah, we like someone like a Christian Barmore enough to take him at 12 or Quiddy Pay or or Jalen Phillips, you know, based on what Jim Morris said and about his character uh, and his injury history, you know, Jalen Phillips is a guy that retired from the game at one point when he was at UCLA because of concussions. It was a very brief retirement. Um, but, there, you know, his, his love for the game, according to Jim Moore, is still strong. Great character guy. So we could see a curveball there. But that's the one thing I didn't like about that trade down to 12 is now you're behind the Giants and the Cowboys. And yeah, now they're going to pick somebody that you probably would have loved to have had. And, and I really think that, you know, Cowboy, the Cowboys love Kyle Pitts. You know, could they try to trade up to take Kyle Pitts? Or does Kyle Pitts slip to 10? I don't think so. But if he does, the Cowboys will take him. I don't think he'll be there. And if he's not, they need cornerback help. They drafted a, an Alabama kid, Diggs, last year. I mean, get him the teammate, Patrick Sertain, uh, and let them be their, your two starters on the corner. And then the Giants come along. They need receivers. They need defense. They need a few things. But you know, Jalen Waddle, if he's there at 11, I think would be too hard for Giants to pass up. And then what do you do if you're Philadelphia? 
the lucky thing for the Eagles is that there's two offensive linemen that should go within the top 10, mm-hmm. if not the top 15. The Cowboys and Giants need that too. The, the Cowboys, more importantly, I think, I, I think they might throw the curveball and draft an offensive tackle, to be honest with you at 10. Uh, I know that they're in a co- – I, I, I would not be surprised if, if Atlanta doesn't take Coppins at four. He's going to take an unexpected little – I don't want to say drop because he's still going to go in the top 10, but I would probably pick the Cowboys to pick him, to be honest with you. I mean, nobody saw them taking C.D. Lamb last year when they had their wide receiver position so stacked. They did it because they knew it was going to affect the Eagles. Let's just be honest. And then they also did it because they trusted their border with BPA like they usually do. Mm-hmm. If Kyle Pitts is there at 10, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to yeah. hurt the Giants and the Eagles, and they're also going to go BPA. And they actually do need a tight end. Dalton Schultz is is nice, but he's not, you know, Kyle Pitts. He's not Dallas Goddard. He's not even Evan Inger. So he, he really isn't even Logan Thomas. So he's really the worst tight end in the East and by a margin. So if Kyle Pitts is there, they're going to take Kyle Pitts. I, w- I would really assume the Cowboys would take Kyle Pitts, which would be yeah. awful. But then again, their offensive line, Ed, is bad. Losing Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith being half the player that, I mean, he's pretty much hitting his Jason Peters type ball. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Zach Martin being it, it's not going to be enough. They need to take a tackle in this draft. If Swell falls to 10, they might be licking the chops for that. Or Rashawn Slater. They could really use Rashawn Slater, and so could the Giants. I mean, I know they got Andrew Thomas last year, but they, their right tackle position is still up in the air. I know Matt Pert was a good um, prospect coming out of UConn, but, I mean, the first-round tackle hits better than the third-round tackle hits every time. So, mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, the Giants also have needs in the pass-rushing department still and uh, other and other areas as well, but after paying Kenny Yalde that money, who knows if they still go ahead and invest that much in wide receiver, but they could. I mean, you need to see if Jalen Jones the answer or not. So you're gonna have to build around him. Yeah, I think it's intent on you know putting weapons around Daniel Jones. So yeah, I could I could certainly see them taking Jalen Waddle again because it affects the Eagles and because it helps the Giants. I mean, um, you know, I could see that being a scenario. And if it happens, then uh, that's the one thing I didn't like about this trade down was just because of that. Because now you have you put your 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 fate and the the best the direction of your franchise in the hands of the Giants and the Cowboys, two of your NFC East rivals. But I also think, you know, having two thirds this year is the difference maker of you either picking 12 or picking eighth or ninth to mm-hmm. be seven or eighth. Cause I don't think they're, I, I think either the Broncos move up from ninth or they stay at ninth and they let the quarterback fall into their lap. So they want it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't think nine is going to be in play. I think it's either gonna be seven or eight. If they move up, but if not, I, st- I mean, I still think you walk away with a good player at 12. Here's the difference, Ed. When you were picking at 14 last, that 2017 draft, you were confident, but then you took Derek Barnett. <laughs> if you go into 12, and I look, I like Christian Barmore way more than Eagles Twitter does because I think, again, he's going to be a huge interior presence for years to come and a great, great Pro Bowl caliber player. Kitty Pay, I like, I like him too. I don't know if he's going to be ever a top 15 type player in this in his career. Uh, top 15 drafted player in his career, but he reminds me a lot of Michael Bennett. I love Michael Bennett's game, and you can really thrive with making Kitty pay. Like, what I, I guess you can look at, um, take a look at what they're doing with DeForest Buckner over there in Indianapolis. And I'm not saying Kitty pays DeForest Buckner, but you could use him in a similar type pass rushing role from the interior and kick him outside when you need to on certain downs. So, I mean, I could definitely see the fit, but. 
I really think they need to get the corner there. They're gonna some some corners gonna fall in their laps there. Where they maybe even Caleb Fairley. I mean, if you don't, if mm. I don't think the Eagles are in a position to draft Caleb Fairley, though. Don't get me wrong. Um, and he might fall because of those injuries. Yeah, the no, Eagles should definitely would, win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would take Greg Newsom before Caleb Farley. Uh, to be honest, for Just the Eagles, that, I would. For the Eagles, yeah. I would because I do can't trust their medical staff to handle that. You no. can't. No, and they took Sidney Jones after the torn Achilles, and that didn't work out. So why would you take someone like Caleb Farley coming off back surgery when you got yeah. burned by taking – everybody thought Sidney Jones was a top-10 uh, pick until he tore his Achilles at his pro day, and then he slipped, right. and the Eagles thought they were getting a real bargain there, and it didn't work out. And and that's the same to me. Caleb Farley's a top-10 pick, but now you have the back surgery. So he's going to probably slide. I know he said he'll be at the draft in Cleveland. Um, but he might be one of those faces we see a lot as he begins to slide down the board. Um, I hope not. You hate to see that happen to kids, but um, I just think he's a candidate to slide because of that back injury. Oh, I so too. Well, which, would you, clear. Let's say the Eagles, would he be an option for you if he slides? No, no, yeah. I, I wouldn't have him in I any of these scenarios. And people are going to think we're crazy, but I agree with you on that because I don't want to try. I, I can't trust this medical stat. I, I know it's a new one. It's always a new one. I can't trust this team to handle these injuries and develop players throughout injury. I need to be shown more. And it can't be a first round, second round pick. No. If you're going to do so, do it in the third or fourth round and then show me that this new staff can do that with this whole new medical staff and everything that they have. <clears throat> then show me because even Jalen Phillips said, I mean, you can't take him at 12. You can't. No. I'm sorry. No, no. It can't happen. 37, you can convince me, but 12, no. No, I, I agree. You better do the freaking homework too, man. The homework has to be done there. But I, I like him, too. I like Jalen Phillips a lot. I, I just think, you know, once you quit the game once, regardless of what Jim Moore Jr. says, and I trust him as well, but uh, you're going to be questioned hard. His draft process probably has been an annoyance to him mm-hmm. for how many people are questioning his love for football. But it's going to happen, man. You leave the game once, the, you're susceptible to leaving it again. Look at Brett Favre. I mean, he did it a million times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep guessing. Right. Let's wrap this up talking real quick about the signings real quick. Uh, Eric Wilson, I think, when, I, when they signed Anthony Harris, and I understand everybody looked at the age on 29, they think this is a Band-Aid. I don't think it's a Band-Aid at all. Anthony Harris didn't play until a couple of years ago. So he was, yes, he was, he is 29 years old, but those years that he was in the NFL prior when he was in his uh, mid-20s, he was an undrafted free agent just being on special teams. So there's a lot, same thing with Brandon Graham, you know. Brandon Graham didn't play a lot in the beginning of his career. And everybody looks at his age and they're like, how is he playing like this at age 33? Because there's a lot of tread on those tires. Same thing with Anthony Harris. I think Anthony Harris can carve out a Connor Barwin, like, like I wrote in that article, a Connor Barwin type impact in Philadelphia as a starter coming into this new team, a rod in the cloud. You don't have to be here for years, but as long as you're here for four to five, four to six years as a solid starter, that's perfect. I think Anthony Harris is one of those candidates for that situation, but I still would add safety because given all the Eagles injuries at safety, given the inexperience of Kayvon Wallace or Marcus Epps, we, we still don't even know what Marcus Epps is. You need to bring a guy behind Marcus Epps because he is your backup to Anthony Harris as being the single highest safety. Other than that, you're, you're bare at that position. So, cause I think Rodney Cloud's gonna be a strong safety this year and they're going to do what they did with Malcolm Jenkins when they signed McLeod and moved Jenkins over to strong safety. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with McLeod. And McLeod played a lot more in the box last last two years than he has ever before, and he looked good in it as well. So I think that's what's going to happen here, even when he, whenever he comes back. But that's Kevin Wallace's role too as well. So yeah. you need to have a guy behind Anthony Harris who you could trust, 
who you can develop, who can be your future. So I, uh, when you said that they need a drafted safety, that's the type of safety I'm looking for. I'm not looking for an in-box safety anymore. They have that. They're good right. there. I'm looking for the single high safety that could develop behind Anthony Harris and John DeGan's system and take over for him eventually because it was a one-year deal. Now, I do believe it will work out to be a, a longer-term deal with the Eagles being that. But they're going to have to figure out still someone behind him just in case that doesn't happen or he doesn't bounce back from his low season he had last year. And Eric Wilson, same thing, man. Eric Wilson's 26 years old. The Eagles linebackers, none of them have really set themselves up to be a, a long-term starter for this team. There's that's that's three positions, really, Ed. Sam, Mike, and weak side that really need to establish themselves. Eric Wilson has a chance to s- establish himself as the Eagles Mike linebacker for years to come. He might be their Nigel Branham type guy. He could be. He was a li- I know it wasn't like a, a huge signing. He's not a well-known name. I think Bradham was a little bit well more known before coming to Philadelphia from Buffalo than Eric Wilson was from Minnesota to Philly. But I think this guy has some strong potential to be the Mike linebacker. I don't think he's going to be a great player, but I think he's going to be a solid starter for this team. I think he has a future as a Mike linebacker as well. And a tackling machine head. Good yeah. in coverage. Good in coverage. Not good against the run, which is okay because every single Eagles linebacker is good against the run and poor in coverage, whereas Eric Wilson separates himself from that category. So I do think he... He has a, a chance to carve out a role for this team, and he does. I think Eric Wilson does affect the team's draft board when it comes to linebacker. I don't think they're going to have one in the first two days of the draft. I I agree, and I feel the same way about safety. I know in our early mock drafts, you and me, we had them taking a safety, uh, you know, in that third round. Um, but I just don't see them doing that now. And I think, that, and you forget about Andrew Adams too. He was another safety that they signed from the Super Bowl right. champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now he's a more of a special teams guy, but again, he's a depth piece. So you've added two safeties in free agency. You've added the linebacker. You've added a running back in my mock draft 2.0. I had them taking Javante Williams at 37. I don't see them going for a running back now at that position. Um, You know, I think they hope Jordan Howard still has something left in the tank, still a young guy at 26 years old. So, you know, I, I think they go running back later in the draft, but maybe not as high as they, they would have earlier. Same with linebacker. They may have taken a linebacker uh, on day two, um, but now they signed Eric Wilson, and now you don't need that safety. Maybe that's a, one of their picks on day three. So um, that's what I like about these signings is now you don't have to kind of, you know, feel like you need to reach for a player at that position earlier in the draft than you, uh, than you would have, and you can wait till later. Um, but yeah, I like Eric Wilson. But you know, listen, you say tackling machine. Alex Singleton was a, a tackling machine. I can't wait to see Alex Singleton come back uh, now entrenched as the starter after last year. I guess he's not entrenched, but you know what I mean. I mean, he had a great year, breakout year, 120 tackles. Wilson had 122. You know, Singleton's not going anywhere. He's not going to give up this job uh, as as your middle linebacker. He's going to come in and he's going to try to win that job too. So. You know, I, I like the competition. I, like I think he's going to be your weak side linebacker, though. Yeah, I just like the competition factor too. Yeah. Bringing in Wilson, you have Singleton, you have uh, do, uh, T.J. Edwards. Um, you know, I, I I like this. I like Davion Taylor. I like Sean Bray. I like all these guys in the mix to compete now. So I I don't think yeah you're everybody still thinks linebacker linebacker linebacker, but I I don't think you you reach for one in the first two days. You wait till the third day. Maybe you take a kid like Grant Wallow from TCU or um, you know whatever linebackers out there for you. But you don't need a a Bolton or a, a you know Jasmine Davis. You, you don't need these pedigree guys. I think you can find one later that can be more depth for you and more special teams help. So that's what I like about these free agent signings is all one year deals. 
and all of them designed to kind of give you depth at a position where now you can go into the draft and say, oh, we don't need to get a linebacker right away or a safety. We, we got them, uh, even a running back. So, uh, you know, that's what I like about them. I would have loved Jasmine Davis, though, now that you mention it. I would have loved him on this team. That That's a guy that's probably like your Eric Kendricks type linebacker that yeah. John DeGan would have needed, though. But I completely agree with you. I didn't even think they would go linebacker that early anyways because of Davion Taylor. I, I, I said it from the, right from the get-go. I think Harry Rosen is going to want to see the return value on his third-round pick. He's going to ask his new coaches to have to develop him and do so. Sean Bradley, yep. I, I think he, in the sparing time that he played last year, showed very good instincts as a linebacker. I think that could be maybe your future weeks by linebacker. They need to figure out Sam. That's all I know. They need to figure out the Sam linebacker spot. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they, I, that's the one spot where I'm thinking either you're asking somebody like an Alex Singleton or Sean Bradley, or I don't even think of Davion Taylor, though, but one of those guys who you would never think to be a Sam linebacker to put on some weight and develop as one. Because right yeah. now, they don't really have that. I know Jernard Avery is going to be asked to be the blitzing linebacker right now. If he even makes the team, maybe mm-hmm. that would be the guy, but I, I don't think so. So uh, that's the only one spot where I think they're going to have to have one of these linebackers surprise them at and become the Sam linebacker that they're going to need him to be. But, you know, Ed's interesting. The Eagles always play their hands of what position they're going to draft. Want to why? They never add to that position during the offseason. The two biggest spots of need on this team were cornerback wide receiver, and they didn't add a single one so far this offseason. And my dogs are letting them know how, how upset they are about not adding a wide receiver cornerback in, in free agency. But I think that's a position that they go is in the draft is they're telling you, hey, our first two picks are probably going to be cornerback and wide receiver. Because we haven't addressed it yet in free agency. We went everywhere else so that we can force ourselves to look at those two spots and lock into it. And, and don't forget the curveball of a defensive lineman. Again, I, you know, guys in the second round, if they stay there, Peyton Turner maybe could be there uh, from Houston. Uh, love that kid. That is also uh, one spot that they haven't had in free agency, too, if you want to throw that in. Exactly. You know, and they lost Ronnie, the jury. Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma could be there. I mean, I would be – Happy if they took either of those guys at 37. Peyton Turner might be a little too high, but I don't think he'll be there at 70. If Again, if you stay put in the draft and you're not moving around, and I fully expect how he'll be moving up, moving down, could move up in the third round by putting together, you know, the two picks to move up to get one of them if Peyton Turner's still there or Ronnie Perkins. Um, but those are two guys to keep an eye on um, as, as the potential bigs that Daniel Jeremiah talked about uh, the Eagles taking before day two's over. Because it's really true, Ed. I mean – they, ha- they lost Finney Curry to the Jets. They've lost Jernard Davey to position change. Josh Sweat's coming off injury. Derek Barnett. Last year. Yeah. like Brandon Graham, 33. Fletcher Cox, 30. Javon Hargrave, up and down year last year. Um, He'll bounce back. I'm not worried about it. not worried about him. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Still, you need somebody behind them for the future. Because when you drafted Fletcher Cox, you had Mike Patterson and um, Colin Jenkins. Yeah. At the you know, time, you didn't, need, you didn't need a Fletcher Cox to be drafted that high. When everybody always mocks you for taking, for saying something about Christian Bowmore, I always think about that. I'm always like, wow, I wonder if I, I wish we can go back in time and see how many people thought we didn't need a defensive tackle at 12 when they took Cox and um, they well, trade up for Cox. And again, you know, guys like Barmore and Phillips and, you know, all this defensive line group, Quiddy Pay, I mean, these are guys that have these perceived ceilings that they haven't even reached yet. Like guys right. like, Certain and Waddle, these guys are pretty much coming in pretty polished, you know, maybe already at the top of their ceiling. You know what you're getting. 
you know, you could draft someone like a Barmore or, or pay based on the fact that, hey, we think he hasn't even come close to his ceiling yet. And now we put them next to a Fletcher Cox who, you know, he's going to lead and take charge and he's going to help develop them, not only the coaches, but the players on that line, Brandon Graham, these leaders who have won Super Bowls. They're going to they're going to show these guys how it's done. And we hope that now they can start to reach that ceiling. So that's why you would take them at this level. Everybody wants to finish product, the polished product. Uh, and I understand, you know, but again, this is kind of a retooling situation. The Eagles could look to say we want upside. We want a guy that, OK, maybe he's not quite there yet. Year one, but year two and year three, then he's ready to take off. And that's when we'll be ready to take off. That was exactly Fletcher Cox right there. Yeah. That was 100% Fletcher Cox. Yeah. Mississippi State was a great player. Not, nothing of the sort of what he is now. No. Absolutely not. So great, great little way to end the show right there, Ed, because I thought you just described Fletcher Cox to a T and exactly why the Eagles traded up and got him. Because mm-hmm. I think at the time we're all like, wait, why did they trade up and get a defensive tackle? They have Colin Jenkins and Mike Patterson. Well, now, 10 years later, almost 10 years later, we're thinking Fletcher Cox – Jerome Brown, Reggie White, one of the um, Trent Cole, you know, one of the best defensive linemen in Eagles history. Yep. So that, that's that's why you take those players when you have guys set in stone at those positions is because you think they could be special players. If you think Christian Barmore could be the next Fletcher Cox, draft him. I don't care. Take him. If you think Pay could be the next Brandon Graham, I don't care. Take him. Go ahead. Yep. Because I don't care what they do in year one or year two. If they have those impacts that the Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham brought throughout their career, yeah, that's good with me, man. Those, those guys won yeah. Super Bowls, so that's good with me. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning into the really the first little collage of Ed and I together on Eagles Unfiltered. Same thing as Eagles Brawl, just new platform, only on Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Find us, John McMullen's articles right there, si.com slash NFL slash Eagles. Nonstop Eagles coverage and nonstop Eagles podcasting coming your way. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.